that last song, Oceans, always gives me the chills, gives me the butterflies, right? Um, if there was a, a worship song that I could live inside of, I think it would be that one. Um, so this morning I have an opportunity to share with you one of my favorite questions that was recently asked to me by Dr. Varner as we went out to lunch. As we continue through Philippians, he asked me this question as we sat down and we're, we're talking about the future in seminary and what that's going to look like. And he asked me, so why Jesus? And for some of you, that's probably a loaded question, and it is. It's both a loaded question and a simple one. And I want us to circle back to that, but today I want you to ask yourself, why Jesus? Maybe you've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe this is your first day here. So as we continue to read through the letters that Paul wrote, I want us to keep that question in the back of our minds. So I'm going to dive right into Scripture this morning because uh, we do have a lot to cover. I'm going to open with Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And I, I love the humility that Paul shows in this letter. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already achieved my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, then that too God will make clear to you. We see, we see this echoed, I think, across some of the best Christian writers throughout history. C.S. Lewis even writes in Mere Christianity several times, I'm not a professional at this. We, there's this stigma that pastors are, are the professional Christians, and I guess kind of, you know, they get paid to do it. But we're not, we're not nailing it every day. I tell our youth kids every time, every time that we do a lesson, every time we sit down to talk about God and we talk about hard topics, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. See, that, that why Jesus question is, is really a loaded one, but to kind of start breaking that down and we're going to circle back to it, let me ask you another question, why not? For a lot of people, Jesus is the only reason they get out of bed in the morning. And so today, as we dive into what it looks like to be with Christ, to press on in his holiness, to achieve the goals that he had, I'm going to encourage you to answer that question for yourself. Why do you follow Jesus? I think the first thing that Paul highlights here in Philippians is he, is he highlights the importance of letting God set the goals. Now, we are less than two months away from New Year's, and most of us are going to probably make a New Year's resolution that will fail by February 1, if we're being nice, right? For instance, I set a goal for myself after last Halloween that by this past Halloween, I wanted to be able to dress up as Thor and absolutely nail it. Now, I achieved my goal. I could have pulled in-game Thor off phenomenally, but the other Chris Hemsworth, probably not so much, right? 
But let me ask you this. Have you ever set a goal such as, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in six months? I'm going to save $10,000 a year and I only make $20,000. I'm going to read the entire Bible in a year, but I've never opened it. I had an opportunity to meet with uh, Pastor Nate this week. We went out to lunch. He highlighted this to me, and I think we're all guilty of this at some point. We, we set a goal, and then we bring it to God, and we say, hey, please bless this. I would love a Lamborghini. Please bless this. How many of the goals that we set are we checking in with God first? Hey, God, I think this is what's on my heart. Can you fact check this? Students, how many times have you had an idea that you probably should have run by your parents first? And you get that text at 9 o'clock at night as you're out at a movie and your parents are like, hey, where are you? See, we all have a perfect parent. Whether you're 15 or a little over 15, more often than not, we set our own goals. I want to graduate by this time. I want my business to be able to accomplish these numbers by this time. I want to have this many kids by this age. And God's like, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> that's great. I'm so happy that you have, you have aspirations. Can I, can I see that, please? Can I take that? Right, it's like your drawing that you gave to your parents, and it was... I mean, let's be honest, horrendous, and they're going to put it on the fridge anyway. God's like, this is great. This is awesome. I'm glad that you're dreaming, but let me, let me tweak it a little bit for you. See, we see it right here. Christ's goal for us is holiness. If we break down what Paul says there, he says he wants to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. I don't know about you, but I don't quite look forward to death all the time. I don't look forward to suffering all the time. Most of the goals that I would set for God are like, hey, you know, a new flat screen would be cool. Colts winning the Super Bowl, long shot, but that would be cool, right? But every once in a while, God puts a, a goal in your mind that, to be honest, we, we might not want to do it first. To give you an example this past year, we piloted a program called Energy Camp. And just to make it clear how quickly this came together, this time last year, we didn't know we were doing that. And God put this on my mind. He said, you know, what if I had this idea, what if we brought a bunch of kids together for a weekend, no fancy lights, no big drawn up things, what if we just brought a bunch of kids together, made them sleep in tents, because it's kind of funny and it's great to wake them up with an air horn at seven o'clock in the morning, right? And allowed them an opportunity to focus on nothing but God. Now, spoiler alert, I don't like sleeping in a tent. I actually don't like camping, I'm not a big outdoor, like I'll go hunting and fishing and then immediately back into the house, like I'm good, I've had my exposure, right? And so the idea with, with my youth leaders can attest to this, the idea of four hours of sleep at night, if we're lucky, to get up the next day and do it all again for 12 hours and pour the spirit into these kids, 
it sounds cool, it also sounds really exhausting. And so as I sit here and do this, I started making excuses. I said, well, you know, there's already Adventure Camp, and there's already Camp Challenge, and there's already Camp This and Camp That and this camp. And I mean, these kids can find something every weekend. And the thing that God kept putting on my heart was, trust me to give them something different. Kids, I know we love Energy Camp. I wasn't excited about it the first time we did it. Now, we avoided injuries the first time, second time, a little different. I have a friend that's an EMT that's going to join us next time, so thank you to the Anderson Fire Department. It doesn't matter where you've come from or what ideas that you had. One of the things I struggled with is setting this goal is I am in no way qualified to put together an entire youth camp. If you know me at all, planning is not something that I like to do. I like the amount of chuckles from that side of the room, but. And, and I think it spoke volumes when I handed the outline for this past camp to Pastor Josh at our meeting, and he looks at me sideways and said, did you do this? <laughs> yes, yes, it did. It doesn't matter what you think you're good at or where you've come from or, or what you think you're qualified to do. I think we're all familiar with a guy in the Bible named Isaiah. And I want to read to you the start of his ministry. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It says, In the year of the king Uzziah's dead, or died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Pause. For those of you that don't know, Old Testament times, it was widely believed that if you saw God, that was it for you. Several times throughout the Bible, we actually hear about God telling people, avert your eyes, cover your eyes as I pass, you'll know that I pass. And so right here, Isaiah's like, yep, this is, I'm, mm -hmm, I'm done. And this is before he's really gotten started. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. He said, go and tell this people. Now, a lot of us, if you're like me, you think of the whole forgiveness thing and the second chance is a lot to do with Jesus, and it is. When I think of Old Testament God, I think of floods, earthquakes, probably being smited in some way if you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, torrents of fire, right? Really powerful stuff, but... Even back then, God's like, no, no, no. I, I am not worried about what has happened prior. I need you now. 
My question to you is, where does God need you now? And please don't discredit yourself. You are loved and important enough for the God Almighty to make a sacrifice in your name. As Jesus hung on that cross, he saw your face, heard your name. I had a great conversation yesterday with one of my mentors, Gene. And I was talking about, you know, I think we all have this. If I could just go back and, like, smack some sense into 15-year-old me, that would be phenomenal, right? Like, I know that he's about to make a bunch of terrible choices. And Gene said to me, he said, what would that accomplish? Say you go back and you beat up 15-year-old you, what would that accomplish? The world was already beating that 15-year-old up. What would you be able to do by doing the same? What is it that you need to forgive yourself for in the past? What, do you, what roadblocks are you putting towards your future? In what ways do we need to stop beating ourselves up for the choices that we weren't educated enough to make correctly? The reality is every time we make a choice, even a bad one, you made it because you thought that was the best solution. Remember who holds the power. This is probably one of my favorite Varner quotes. There are several, but this is one of them. God is not a little old lady. He does not need your help crossing the street. If anything, it's the other way around. Throughout our entire lives... We are God's children, and parents you know, at least I know from working with your kids once a week, a lot of the things that we think they could do on their own, they actually can't. That's because they need their parents, they need their leaders, we need God. Too often we get to a certain level in life, a certain age in life, we become parents, we, we get married, and we're like, I got this. I see a lot of heads shaking no, which, that's good. So I have, I love talking about, we talk about Jesus the lamb, but I also like emphasizing God the lion. Revelation 5, 5 reads, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, I'm one of the weird ones that the book of Revelation is actually my favorite book in the Bible. Because of its finality, because of its power. And this is a reminder to us all that the world cannot even end until God says so. The sun does not get to stop shining until God says so. You do not get to quit until God says so. We have a lot of 
a lot of people throughout our community that have had the opportunity to talk to, and they struggle with things like depression, anxiety, survivor's guilt. They're stressed out by work. They're stressed out by their families. They don't know what the future holds. If there's one thing I can say to anybody in this room that's dealing with any of those things is God has you. God is right behind you and in front of you. God is fighting for you every single day. If you know a little bit about me, or maybe, maybe you don't, I've had the opportunity to train martial arts for over half of my life at this point. And you had to go through these prospects called belt tests every so often if you want to rank up and you know you just pay $60 and coach hands you a new belt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I wish. No. My, my black belt test, it was supposed to start at 5 o'clock in the morning. Thankfully, the coach that was supposed to wake me up out of my bed overslept. That's a blessing, right? Started at 7 o'clock in the morning and as I get there, you know, coach would always make us clean the bathroom, start in humility. Clean the whole facility. Pay back your tribute. And by the end of the day, around 6 o'clock in the evening, I'm, I'm fighting. And we don't just point spar. We, it's like UFC cage fighting, I think, is the best way to describe it. Um, on that day, I got three cracked ribs, a concussion. And at the time, I was dealing with a heart issue that I didn't know existed. And as I'm fighting... One of my best friends, Isaiah, he, he loves to beat me up, and I, I love that. We, we grow, iron sharpens iron, right? And he has me clenched up. That means that he's got me by the neck. He's holding me close, which sounds endearing, right? It's not. <laughs> he's got pressure right here on my throat, and he's kneeing me over and over and over. Now, mind you, he got to go to work that day, had a glorious lunch, ate before he came. He's ready to go. He's fresh. I, on the other hand, wasn't able to eat that morning because I was so anxious about the test that day. And so I'm running on probably three grapes and a Gatorade. My entire body starts to clench and spasm. And it's not just like one calf cramp in the middle of the night that wakes you up. Imagine that across your entire body. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting hit, and I'm getting hit, and I'm getting hit. There's this voice inside of my head that says, do not stop. You don't get to quit until I tell you to quit. Anybody who's been through one of those experiences, and it doesn't have to be a belt test, but that moment that you felt like you couldn't push forward anymore, you know what I'm talking about. The spirit takes over and pushes you to move forward. You might be asking yourself, why would you put yourself through something like that? Well, that's a phenomenal question. I was a child, so I asked my mother. She signed the waiver. <laughs> but in reality, it, it taught us perseverance. To persevere in God's strength. That wasn't me. Even one of the key things that people think about when they think of me, which is the belt that I wear when I go to train isn't because of me. I was that shy 11-year-old kid that couldn't look you in your eyes and, and whose voice cracked every time, he, 
every time he tried to talk to more than three people. Now the kids like to highlight my voice still cracks whenever I'm teaching lessons, right? But it was because when we lean into the, the Spirit of God, when we lean into his power, when we choose to follow him, even if we don't know that's what we're doing yet, he is filling you with strength that you will never be able to comprehend. I'm a huge nerd, if you didn't know that. Proud to say it. I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I love all the superhero, the big flashy power. Like Thor's my app, the strongest and best Avenger. No questions asked, okay? I will die on that hill. And we see Jesus portrayed as as this in Revelation when he goes to defeat the armies of hell. It says in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is why I love Revelation. Be around me long enough and you're going to love it too. That is the God that we serve. In a world full of weapons and horror and atrocities happening, this is the God that has our back. This is the God that encourages us to keep pushing forward. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he's on my side. If that's the description, I'm glad he's on our side. We have the pleasure of serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If this is the God that we serve, how could we ever fail to reach a goal that he sets for us? Keyword being he set for us, not we set for him. And the story of this church embodies that greater than anything. We, we had an opportunity a couple weeks ago to sit down at our leadership council meeting and our newest hospitality members were able to join us. They're about my age. And, and as we're sitting around, I noticed something. There's a slight age gap between myself and Landis and uh, the others in the room. And it dawned on me, and Pastor Nate brought this up later, that we are the age they were when they started this church. Kudos to you all because there's no way, I I don't know as if I could start a church at this age. But another thing dawned on me, one day it's going to be us leading. Eventually Josh is going to be tired and ready to go home and I don't blame him, right? Yeah. (laughs) And and Josh says this all the time and I, I love 
but I'm blessed to be a part of that. He says, we're raising leaders. The goal is not for the same five people to be doing it forever. And you might think to yourself, well, that's great. There's no way I could get up on stage and, and teach a lesson. Well, I felt that way about a week ago. It's okay. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Whatever goal God has set for you in his life, in your life, he's already planned out every step of the way. As a matter of fact, not only does he probably have one goal, he probably has several for you. Crazy, wild ideas. Almost as crazy as starting a church that would one day reach almost two and a half billion people in the world. All we have to do is show up and try. Now, what does it look like to try? This is, this is going to be that Facebook ad that pops up, the three-step process. Okay? There's going to be a little link that you can click on to buy my book. No, I'm just kidding. All we need to do is try. Stay in the Word. I, I grew up not thinking much about Scripture. I was like, well, that's cool. That really old book written by really old people probably doesn't pertain to today. And the more I dive into it, the more... I learn to love it, the more powerful it becomes. And I don't just mean read the little notification that probably popped up on everybody's phone around 9.30 or 10 o'clock this morning from the Bible app that said, hey, here's your daily scripture, check. But dive into the parts of the Bible that scare you. Dive into the parts that you aren't sure about. Stay in discipleship groups. We've had an amazing opportunity recently as a part of our Catalyst communities. We do one called, we call it the Young Adults Catalyst Community. Basically, if you don't have kids yet, you're welcome. Okay? <laughs> that might change in a couple years, but. And as I think back of how things come together in our lives, including this discipleship group, there is no part of my life that makes sense, that makes logical sense. I was baptized at 18. Yes, I'm older than 18. I didn't finish seminary, at least not yet. I've not lived a perfect life. I still don't. The Colts are probably losing right now, let's be real. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody get that man a medal. I like to think I'm a nice person until I think of somebody like Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. Then that completely changes, right? But over the past five years, my life has changed in ways that I can't even explain. Over the past five years, I've met the love of my life. <clears throat> Sorry. The one that continues to push me and drive me forward and make me a better man. Over the past five years, I've had the opportunity to connect with more mentors than I ever thought possible. In no other plane of existence would Josh and I be as closely acquainted as we are. <laughs> but I have an amazing network of men and women pouring into me to make me a leader of the church. 
over the past year, I remember about this time last year, Kate and I prayed for friends. Like literally prayed for friends because the friends that we did have did not care at all to follow what we wanted. Some did, but they got busy and, and moved and we prayed for a community of people to help lift us up and now we have that. As I jumped into ministry for the first time in my life, I had a friend of mine ask me a couple of days ago, so how do you do it? Like, how do you lead a youth group? I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> One day at a time. God's calling the shots. I'm just here to do the best that I can. God holds all the power. He holds all the pieces. He holds the puzzle pieces to your life to get you moving forward. So as we stay in the Word and we stay in our discipleship groups, the most arguably one of the most important things you can do is continue to pray. And don't just pray the traditional prayers. Pray what's on your heart. Pray what's on your mind. There have been times I have yelled at God. God, what do you want from me? I'm trying my best. I am trying to push forward, and I don't feel you here. And every time, God reminds us where he is. He's in front of us. He's behind us. He's at both of our sides. Don't pray to God like he's a little old lady that you want to help him fulfill his ministry. Pray to God like he's the most powerful being in all of creation that will lead the armies to defeat hell, the one that has already overcome death and saved every one of us. Pray the crazy dreams. I have a crazy dream that in a couple of years we're going to be pushing 100 kids at energy. That stresses me out beyond belief. But I continue to pray for it just the same because I know for every one of those kids, they might be that 15-year-old that was getting beat up by life. They might be that kid that doesn't have a strong support network at home or at school. They might be that kid that's close to becoming a statistic. If any day we do not get up and we do not press forward to be like Jesus and help those around us, we might fail them. But the good news is, is this isn't all on us. As a matter of fact, very little of it is. Again, we show up, we pray, we get into community, we stay in the word, and God does the rest. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Pause. We just celebrated Veterans Day yesterday. And thank you to all the veterans in the room. This is something that I love to highlight as we live in a world where we take pride in where we live. And, and I love this country as much as anything else. Our true citizenship is in heaven first. Our job is to bring that here. He continues and says, and we eagerly, eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. God's willing to take our worst days and make them his. 
God is willing to take the best and worst parts of ourselves and turn that into something powerful in his name. God supplies the power, we just show up. There's, there's two things that Paul did well, and I don't want to limit him to just two things. I don't have the degree high enough to do that. But two things that, I, that, that strike me every time I read what Paul has written, written. He shows up and he dreams big. He's writing these letters from prison, from captivity, to like probably 30 people, depending on which letter he's writing and to where, but the reality is, is there were not two and a half billion people at the time celebrating Christ. They were the minority. Now maybe, maybe he never thought, okay, we're going to hit like two and a half billion people and it's going to be one of the coolest things in the world and there's going to be entire nations dedicated to God, which is great. But he showed up every day and he dreamed big. He pushed forward. He leaned into God. If Paul and so many others hadn't done what they did, we wouldn't be here today. Where do you need to be like Paul? Don't be afraid of the big dreams. Sorry. Don't be afraid to chase what God has called you to chase. He will accomplish more through you than you ever thought possible. Find peace in knowing that God is here to provide everything you need as long as you are working with him in mind. God, I really need a million dollars. Probably not going to happen. But God, I need a million dollars to be able to open this facility and change my community. That's a different conversation. To highlight one of the earlier verses from Isaiah, it says the seraphim are singing, it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's the power of the people that serve him. How powerful do we think he might be? Now let me keep it clear. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall short. And you're going to fail. And that's okay. That's what's called being human. If we knew what was going to happen tomorrow, what would be the point in seeing tomorrow? But you will also get back up. You will also still be loved, and you will still be enough to God, regardless of where you are at or what happens. So I'm going to ask this question again. Why Jesus? Because without him, what's the point? What's the worst that happens if I'm wrong? I was a better person. I tried to make a difference in my community. I showed those around me as much love as I'm capable of. To be honest, I'm one of those people. Without Jesus, I'm not sure there would be mornings I get up. Sure, Christmas morning's easy to get up on, right? But what about a Monday when you really don't want to go back to work? When you really don't want to get the kids up and get them ready for school? But you know that in doing so, 
and pushing forward and to be like Jesus as much as we can. You're making an impact in the world. Every single person in this room has the power of Jesus behind them when they work for their community. Every single person in this room can have as much of an impact as some of the greatest scholars, the greatest writers in history. But let me answer this three times. Not only because without him, what is the point, but because through him, there is nothing that can stop us. Remember, God says when the world ends. Ask the stone in the garden what happens when God says to move. It's one of my favorite quotes from the song rattle. Ask death itself what happens when God says no. Ask the empire that tried to snuff Jesus out how they're doing today. I imagine this idea that when we get hyped up and we're ready to follow Jesus, we're like the Kool-Aid man. We can just bust through any wall, <laughs> achieve any goal, push towards every victory that God has called us to push for. And lastly, because he chose you. He called you by name. He has requested your assistance. He sent his son specifically for you. We're watching through the, the show called The Chosen, which I hadn't, hadn't had an opportunity to watch yet. And in the first episode, this lady by the name of Lilith is dealing with several demons inside of her. And they actually vocalize in the show, they vocalize the demon speaking and it's one of those that gives you chills and, and like not the good chills, right? But Jesus shows up to this lady as she thinks it's done, as she's ready to quit. And he looks at her and he says, Mary, Mary Magdalene. He calls her by name. He says, you are loved and not alone. Understand that the bottom line is by accepting Jesus, you inherit a power far greater than anything of this world. You inherit the ability to accomplish whatever God has called you to accomplish. You inherit the ability to change lives, communities, and nations, to save lives, communities, and nations. First, we've got to save ourselves. So as we leave here today, I, would, I pray that you will remember how loved you are, how needed you are, every single person in this room. If I've ha not had the opportunity to meet you, I would love to. If nothing else, so I can remind you that you are loved, that you are needed. I was 15 once, and man, he, he needed that. So now every day I will live with the end in mind. I will make sure every person I meet feels the same. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your power will overtake this place. I pray that your power will work in the minds, the bodies, and the spirits of everyone in this room. I pray that your spirit will flood throughout their lives, not just on Sundays, but on the Mondays too. Pray that you will encourage 
and empower this group of people to make a change throughout not only the community but the world. That we will continue to raise up leaders that fight for what you have called us to fight for. I humbly pray and thank you for the opportunity to be used towards your will. Lord, you know that we don't always deserve these places, but you give them to us anyway. And for that, we can never thank you enough. It's in Christ that we pray and remember. Amen.